episode 68, Sarah Andres. Welcome to Gut Plus Science. Analytics about people. Insights for executives. Truth you can act on. A high-energy, fast-paced, results-oriented exchange featuring employee engagement evangelist and CEO, your host, Nikki Llewellyn. Gut Plus Science is back, and of course, with a thought-provoking episode, today we're doing some self-exploration based on the book, Invisible Roots. After all, the most important person for us to lead well is ourself. Let that sink in a minute. How are you doing leading yourself? Well, let's take some time to learn some new habits and sharpen. All right, Gut Plus Science listeners, really looking forward to diving in today with our new author, Sarah Andres. She wrote the book Invisible Roots, which makes a strong point that we lead the most important person in our life, and it's ourself. She says, we all have stories that we tell ourselves, and if left unexamined, they become invisible roots that hold us back. We're going to unravel these bold statements that Sarah makes on this episode today. So Sarah, welcome to the show. Share with us how you help people understand the concept that our most important leadership should be focused on leading ourselves, And where does your conviction come from? Thanks, Nikki. I'm excited to be here today. So the way I help people discover this is we do a lot of self-exploration and talking about the fact that you cannot pour into somebody else if your cup is empty. And so as a leader, as you're trying to develop and grow, a lot of people have this idea that they need to be focused on everybody else. But if you're not leading yourself well, the chances of you leading somebody else, even slightly in a good way, is really diminished. So where this conviction come from, I think it really came from uh, as I was doing my own personal growth and trying to become an effective leader because I wanted to be successful in business. And the more I worked on everybody else, the less results I was getting. And what I discovered was the more I worked on myself and made myself a better leader, the better I was able to lead everyone else and everybody else was able to relate to me better. But a lot of times I think we get sidetracked because the external skills, the communication skills, all of those people can see us working on those and they give us accolades. But when we're doing the internal work of what do I value? Who am I? What are the stories I'm telling myself? Nobody else can see that. But eventually they see the results. Sarah, so it sure sounds like you've lived this journey or you are are living this journey. Talk a little bit about what filling your cup looks like. So for me, I actually had to step back and really look at what does success mean in my life? A lot of times when I was thinking success, I was thinking I was going to make more money. I was going to be the top person in whatever organization I was working in. And what I discovered was that actually burns me out. For me, I need to take a step back to be slower. And I know it sounds funny, but being slow helps me be more successful. Taking time to understand who I am and what I'm trying to achieve in the world helps me be better in the world when I show up. So I I have to, I do a lot of reading. That's one of the things that helps me just be quiet and be still. I do a lot of reflecting, which I think is so important in something that a lot of people that I talk to do not practice. And I think that understanding yourself gives you space to be more understanding of other people. 
I love that. So all of this seems so simple and so healthy, but I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to guess it's kind of hard to adopt. So, you know, why can leading ourselves be a hard practice to adopt? What do you see? Well, I, I think it's a couple things. I don't remember anyone ever talking to me about leading myself. I think back to school and high school and even college. The focus was on learning the material not on really becoming. And when I look at my career, even, there was not any focus on leading myself until one day, I actually ran one of the gentlemen I worked for said, Sarah, you have a lot of potential, but you're not doing anything with it. You need to start, create a folder and collect things that you've done to improve yourself. And I think that was the start of me understanding that I needed to be intentional about my growth and about leading myself. Talk a little bit more about the power of having a, would you call that a mentor or a coach that really, you know, gave you the feedback? Talk about, you know, in the work that you do today, how do you encourage mentoring or feedback uh, for people to really adopt this practice? For myself, what I have noticed is that sometimes it can be really hard to grow by yourself because we all have blind spots. We have things that we can't see about ourselves or that we don't want to see about ourselves. And having someone who has an outside perspective to look into our lives or listen to what we say can make a huge difference when we're getting that feedback. So for me, I think coaching and mentoring are, are two different things. I've had probably about 10 coaches in my, my career life, so in the last 15 years. And a coach for me is somebody that I can pay, and they give me feedback and instruction and help me get past something very quickly. Because, And I feel like if I'm paying somebody, I'm more motivated to actually do what they're telling me. And then a mentor is somebody who I think walks through life with you. So I've been very blessed throughout my my career as I was growing as a leader. I've had several mentors who, while I worked in their companies and organizations, took me under their wing and helped point out, hey, you need to work on this skill or have you thought about this? And I think that that's really helped me grow. But here's the thing. I allowed them to have that influence because I respected their leadership. If they weren't leading themselves well, I would have never listened to them. Really good point. Really good point. Let's go on this journey uh, down the path of invisible roots. So that's the name of the book. Talk about the concept of invisible roots and, and where does that come from? I believe all of us have invisible roots. Those are those stories that we tell ourselves or that we adopted or that somebody else told us and we've never examined them. The example that I use in my book is I grew up in a very strict religious church, and women were expected to grow up, get married, have babies, and obey their husbands. And I left that church when I was 18, and I said, I don't believe that. I, I, I think women have more to offer to the world than obeying their husband. So when I left that church and I thought, hey, I took care of that, I've left. But what I've discovered is I keep going back and having to relearn that lesson over and over again, because there's still invisible roots of obeying somebody that's still inside of me. Because I grew up 18 years of having that talk to you and somebody telling you that, it takes a long time to go undo those kind of stories. But here's the thing. If we don't examine them, we could go through our entire life believing something that is no longer true about yourself. 
So each one of us, whatever that invisible root is, it could be, you know, you grew up in a household who had a fear or a dislike for people from different cultures. And you may not even think about that. That's just a part of who you are. It's a part of your DNA. But the reality is, is if you want to be successful, if you want to really touch people's lives, you have to be able to look at that invisible root and uncover it, understand it's there, and then take actions to change those stories. And to make yourself more inclusive or more open to other ways of being in the world. Oh, I want to go deeper on all of this. So Invisible Roots has three practices that help us examine our invisible roots and disconnect from those or go deeper on those. Let's talk about those three practices. How about you start at the high level and then I'll kind of dig in on some questions. Absolutely. So the the three are reflection have conversations with people who are different from you and find your tribe or your tribes. Okay. So reflection. So maybe first of all, define the way you think of reflection and then give us an example of like a technique or a system that you'd suggest, you know, or something that we could adopt to try this out. Reflection is when you take the time to actually pause and really understand what your experiences are. A lot of times we get, we're so busy that we go through an entire day. We have interactions with people and maybe Susie really ticked us off or maybe Ben made us feel really special, but we don't actually think about those feelings and go deeper with it. And I think when I'm when I'm talking about reflection, I'm talking about taking the time. For me, I sit down with a journal and I write. And the process that I use is a really simple one. What was going on? So I write about that. So what? What did that really mean? And now what? Now what am I going to do with what I've just learned? But I think that because we don't take the time to really look at our situations, we don't understand that the reason Susie ticked us off had nothing to do with her. It had to do with ourselves. It had to do with those, again, invisible roots, those underlying stories. And we automatically assume because she said something that she was being snarky. And the reality was is she was just being an amazing person who was trying to help us. But we had something that got in our way. So Sarah, is there a particular trigger that you pick up on that helps kind of put you down the path of, I need to spend some time in reflection on this? And is it a hybrid of also a daily practice of a certain time of day, just like intentionally focusing on reflection? I guess my question is, you know, are there certain times in life where, hey, this happens to us, so we now need to spend time in reflection? And then there's also just a system for, you know, daily or weekly practice to look at more of the macro perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, I would say it's probably about once a month that I just do on purpose reflection that has no trigger at all. I really sit down and I, I want to think about myself and I want to think about where I am and where I want to be and what my big dream is and what I'm working on. And so that's just kind of my general reflection. But then my triggers. So when I usually I feel it in my stomach. So when I get a knot and I have this instant like I really want to react to that person. I know that, hey, it's time for me to do some work because usually when when it's that, it's not the other person, it's usually me. The other thing that I've noticed is that, and maybe your listeners have noticed this too, it's when you feel like, hey, I really should do that. Like I really, when I was writing this book, I really should write a book about leadership and about invisible roots. And I couldn't do it. 
And so I think when you're in that situation where you feel like you're really called to do something, like it's really on your heart that, hey, I really should do this, and you have a huge resistance, then I think you need to look at both ends. You need to look at why do I feel like I should do this and why do I have such a big resistance? Because often in that is an invisible route that you have not discovered. It's a story that you've been telling yourself that's holding you back and your future self who wants to do this amazing thing that's trying to push you forward. And a lot of people, I, I think, get stuck. So they feel that and they get stuck and they ignore it until that feeling passes. And then later they'll look back and say, man, I wish I would have done that. Yeah, so good. And I think it's so powerful to get to know ourselves, you know, introspectively well enough that we know like that knot in the stomach is something that is, you know, cueing me to take the time to really figure out, you know, what's going on with me. Because what on the other side, how does it come out? It comes out in, you know, negative statements that we say or a bad attitude or whatever that may be that ultimately is, you know, us just not dealing with the things that are in, internal to us. So I love that. I think that's great. And I, I like the hybrid of, you know, a routine monthly practice or weekly, how often you want to do that just to be living more intentional, but also picking up on those cues and understanding like what are your cues and then having a, a habit to go to to help, you know, when those cues are coming up. So thank you so much. Let's dive in a little bit now to the second practice, which is to seek diverse perspectives, if I heard that right. So how do you suggest we proactively seek diverse perspectives? I think one of the easiest ways to do it is get involved with something that you're passionate about and do it somewhere where there's a lot of other people who are passionate about it and be open to hearing other views. So as you're in that community, which is it rolls into the, the next point I made, is as you're in that community, seek out people and have conversations. And one of the things that I suggest when in the book especially is make sure you're having it at a neutral environment where there's no somebody has more power than I do. So a Starbucks or a coffee shop or someplace that's kind of neutral where you can just have a conversation. And I think the thing that's most important is being open, being open to having those kind of conversations. And it can be challenging, especially depending on where you live. I live in a very rural area. There are very few diverse cultures in our area. However, I can still have conversations with people who have different ways of being in the world just by looking for them. There are people who believe things totally different than I do. And it gives me, by being intentional about having those conversations, it gives me space to be more open. I love that. And so to put that into context in this show, let me, you give me feedback on if I'm down the right uh, track here. So a business leader that's struggling with a people problem of some kind. And it could be that, you know, the other three leaders on their team are pretty much the same blueprint of each other. Like we're just very similar makeup. And so reaching out, like looking for a company that maybe is in a different industry, maybe a different um, diverse diversity, ethnicity, whatever, maybe just a different background in general. And just how do you do that? Like reach out, like, on LinkedIn or, you know, have someone make a, make a connection. I'll, I'll ask you in a second, like, how do you, you know, find this person, but then, you know, reaching out to them, inviting them to coffee, to have a conversation on this particular topic that you're struggling around and just hearing their perspective on it. Am I going down the right path? Yeah, absolutely. So 
your example for in business would be, so join an association. A lot of businesses and business people think that the associations should be in their industry. But the reality is you can learn so much by being in other people's industries. Like go to an association or join a, a group or I don't know if they have them around around your all your listeners areas, but there's usually like a business group that'll have 10 or so people who are all from different areas. And and you can hear all their different viewpoints when you're sitting around the table talking with them. That's great. I think, you know, you hit it earlier that finding a community, like find something you're passionate about. So in this the focus of the show, you know, there's so many groups out there for HR topics, talent development, leading people first companies. And I'm going to guess that those membership communities or associations put pretty diverse members into a platform. So you could leverage that to kind of help you get in front of, of diverse people. I think that's great. Awesome. So seeking diverse perspectives, especially when you've got challenges, um, not going to people that see the world the same way as you do, you know, seeking different advice. I love that. And then Sarah, the third one, the third point that you make is uh, about having a tribe. Uh, tribes or tribe. How does a strong tribe, like what does that look like? Share examples of how people that are in a tribe challenge, support, and encourage each other. I've stole a phrase from my friend Cassie and it says compliment, not compete. And I think that we often are so competitive that we forget how to be good citizens of whatever group we're in. So when you're looking for your tribe and when you're trying to do that, first of all, I think it's important that you, I usually grab myself by the back of the neck and hold on so that you're not being the person who is super competitive within that group. But some some competitiveness equals that challenge. Like I want to be in a group of people who are doing better than me so that I can grow so I can see other ways of being successful in the world. But it's also that support. So, hey, how are you doing? What are you working on right now? How are you getting there? And encouragement. And I think all of those things right there, when we look at that, makes a good tribe. So when you're looking for your tribe, I don't think it has to be people who are exactly like you. And one of the things that I talk about in the book is I actually really struggled for years. I could not find a tribe. And I felt like that odd duck out that didn't have a place to be. But the reality was, is that I was able to become honorary members of a bunch of different tribes. So for me, I had to find people who loved my nerdy self because I love talking about leadership and study and scholarship and things like that. But there's not a lot of people who enjoy that all the time. So then I had to find people who loved my art self and my creative self and who came around and supported it. And for me, I don't have huge tribes, but I have very supportive and amazing people who I feel like I help them grow and they help me grow. Yeah, I love that. And I'm a big fan of having a tribe as well. I don't know what I'd do without mine. (laughs) So I I thought of a few kind of phrases or words that came to mind, and I wanted to see if any of them hit for you. And if any of them do, kind of speak on that and maybe give an example. So I thought, you know, my tribe, healthy competition, you know, we're challenging each other and, and, you know, we don't let each other just 
flake off on the goals that we've said that we're going to set out to do. We cheerlead for each other. I mean, you know, if one of us has been working on a deal and we close a deal, everybody's getting a text and, you know, high-fiving each other. Or when we get together, like we start with success. We talk about, you know, what successes we've had since we got together last. Feedback, like tough feedback a lot of times. And it's what helps us grow. And, you know, if we show up, but we're not fully present, there's going to be somebody in there that calls me out uh, or calls the other person out. Um, So just, you know, feedback out of love and care. Encouragement, you know, we all go through the ups and downs of life. We see each other as our whole selves. And so there's things that happen and just, you know, regular, sometimes those text strings are about um, just how are you feeling today? Like I know, you know, the past couple of days have been rough or whatever, that kind of encouragement. And then finally, this is a big one for me that I had to learn was vulnerability. Like I had to, my tribe had to equal people that I I could be vulnerable with. I had to challenge myself to like, okay, can I open up? Do I feel that, you know, we've got trust here? You know, have we spent time building that? Like, cause if I'm not vulnerable here, I'm not going to grow with this tribe. So any of that resonate with you or thoughts that maybe you can add to that? Absolutely right on. And I I think we get, we're so insular a lot of times, but all the research points to people don't grow in isolation. If you really want to grow, if you want to become a better you or more successful in business, you have to have other people around you who do exactly what you just said. Yeah. And one of the biggest issues in our world today, actually in the US today, is isolation. So I think we have to challenge ourselves more than ever. Like, how am I intentionally connecting? Because it's so easy to just fall to technology. And, you know, you go down this negative path that that's just not good. So I, I'm glad you brought that up. It's really important to look at what are we doing to intentionally connect with others and build relationships. So Sarah, all this has been so good. I encourage all of our listeners to pick up a copy of your book, Invisible Roots. We'll have that in the show notes for sure. A link to the book. Sarah, if you could put out one challenge, you know, in this realm of, you know, diving into those invisible roots and just ultimately taking the the lead on yourself, what would be a challenge that you could put out to our listeners today? Sure. This is something that I use in a lot of my workshops, and I think it's super easy and hard at the same time. So what I would encourage your listeners to do is to answer these two fill in the blanks. I am and I am just a and fill it in with whatever words that you want to fill in. And then what I want you to do is pick the one that made you feel like really amazing or like, oh, I hate that word. And then answer two questions about those words. How is this helping me and supporting me? And how is this word holding me back? And I think that is the beginning of exploring invisible roots. I did this workshop and a lady came up to me and afterwards and said, hey, I wrote I'm successful. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I love it when women own being successful. And she said, yeah, it lets me be really great at my my job, but it doesn't allow me to spend quality time with my family and to spend time with myself doing things I love. And I was like, okay, so what do you need to change in that story to allow success to encompass a whole person's success, being successful at home with your personal self and at work. And I think if you start, if you start there, it gives you an opportunity to create space for more exploration. 
Sarah, thank you. Powerful conversation today. I love how you broke down so many examples and shared tools that we can try right away and go share with our team members. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor message today. And we're going to come back to our lightning round where we get to learn just a little bit more about Sarah. We'll be right back. Custom Concrete has been creating foundations for the finest homes, commercial buildings, and industrial facilities throughout central Indiana since 1969. Builders, contractors, and homeowners rely on our expertise because so much depends on getting it right. Our knowledge and control of all aspects of the job, from excavation to waterproofing to backfill, means the extra value is built into every project. Codes don't drive our business. Excellence does. See the difference at customconcrete.com. All right, we're back on Gut Plus Science with what we call our lightning round, where we get to go a little bit deeper and learn about our guests. So we've got Sarah Andres with us today. Sarah, I'm going to put you on the spot for a few questions and maybe you know share a couple of resources with our listeners in this about you. So first of all, it's sometimes hard to do this, but if you can pick your favorite book or a book that you'd recommend to our listeners today, what would that be? So I know this is going to sound funny because it's totally off of um, Invisible Roots, but I actually just reread the E-Myth Revisited, and I would recommend it to anybody who is an entrepreneur or in business because it really challenges you to look at your processes. And uh, one of my favorite things that it talks about in, in the book is, hey, if you're only doing this for a job, then you really need to rethink it because you're working for somebody who's crazy. And I I just love that. It really resonated with me as I'm on this entrepreneurial journey of I need to make sure that I'm building something bigger than just a job for myself. Mm, That's so good. I've said for so long, Emeth is like the number one book for business systems. And I love systems. So thank you for saying that. We haven't had anyone share that book yet on the show. So how about a favorite vacation spot, Sarah? So I love to go to Sarasota, Florida. My husband and I have been going down there ever since we've been together. And I just love to go camp out on the beach. Sounds wonderful. How about a favorite hobby when you're not working? So I I have a artistic side that I love. I love to paint, draw, make stained glass, melt glass, and read books. Great. And how can our listeners connect with you after the show, Sarah? Sure. My email is Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at Wisewood, W-I-S-E-W-O-O-D-L-L-C.com. And they're more than welcome to email me. Or, of course, they can find me on all the social things like LinkedIn and that kind of stuff. Okay, great. And we'll put that in the show notes, too. All right, Sarah, thanks for taking us inside your book, Invisible Roots. Great tips and tools. Guys, I've got the truth you can act on section, which I encourage you to pick something for yourself, share it with a colleague and try something new to go a little bit deeper in that self-exploration and just getting better sharpening. Uh, Number one, focus on filling your cup first. You can't give if you're empty. If you aren't leading yourself well, most likely you won't be able to lead others well. What a great reminder. Number two, make reflection a habit. Take time to pause and debrief your experiences to learn from them. So Sarah shared, she takes time to define the scenario. What was the meaning of that experience? And then how do I feel that I'm going to do something differently in the future? Great way for us not to keep repeating the same potential mistakes or mediocrity and always working to get better. Number three, proactively seek diverse perspectives. Get involved with things that you're passionate about around others that are different from you and ask them questions to understand their viewpoint. This helps us to be more understanding of others. I love that. 
And number four, find your tribe. Have an inner circle that encourages you, you encourage them, and inspires healthy competition. All right, guys, we'll see you next week on Gut Plus Science. We just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.